0: welcome to this week's episode. Um, in this episode, I speak with Johnny Frankel and <laughs> Leland Frankel and Johnny Pearl, who together make up Shinbone Theater Company. Um, actually, this time last year, I was doing a spooky Halloween immersive theater show with them. It was called Afterlife Anonymous, where I played the oldest ghost who was addicted to haunting. So it was like an AA meeting for, for ghosts. Um, I also, I've done quite a few shows with them. Um, so I really hope that you enjoy this discussion. And, uh, if you like what you hear, please subscribe do all that fun stuff. And I hope you enjoy. Thank you guys so much. So I have Leland and Johnny here who, um, why don't you guys introduce yourselves and uh, I might edit this, who knows what's going to happen. But. Sure.
1: <laughs> After you,
2: I'm, Oh, I'll see. I'm Leland. I'm this voice. <laughs> and I'm, I'm Johnny. This is my
1: voice.
0: Yay. And, I, and together. Yeah, together, together you are. And
1: together we are... <laughs>
2: We should have planned a thing to say in sync. That would have been very impressive.
0: Maybe impressive you guys can right the wrong word. Wait, on, on the count of three. One, two, three.
1: Shinbone Theatre Company. Shinbone Theatre Company.
0: <laughs> Perfect. And what is Shinbone Theatre Company? Leland, I tag you.
2: <laughs> oh boy, well, Shinbone Theatre Company is an immersive theater company that johnny and i founded in los angeles several years ago that we've been uh doing projects for pretty much continuously since until the uh covid 19 uh quarantine which if you guys haven't heard what that is oh my god oh this is going to be such a depressing episode for you to find <laughs> out what's going for J- if you're like jared leto and are just coming out of a um like six month long unplugged retreat like he did at the start of I don't know if you guys heard about that.
0: No, I did not hear about Jared that.
2: Jared Leto was on a multi-month, like unplugged God. meditation retreat kind of thing. And he came yeah. out like two months into the quarantine. They had to be told like, Jared, the no. world is under quarantine now. Like this is what you're coming back to. We're so sorry.
0: That's hilarious. I he had mean, no internet, hilarious. no
2: messages, no nothing
1: for months. So he missed it all.
0: Jeez. Well, Johnny,
1: maybe <laughs> you can do a better job. <laughs> Well, Leland, Leland was saying, um, Leland and I met in school. We both went to UCLA, um, and he cast me in my first show there in a musical. It, it was the musical *Curtains*.
0: Yeah, uh, as a freshman. That's, that's what that is. Well, I
2: tried to cast you in a smaller role because I missed your callback, which is apparently where you just like blew Landon's socks off, and he was like, "No, Leland, you had to have been there. Like, this is the guy." You
0: missed the callback.
2: I. I was going to say I had something more important to do, but I can't imagine it was, I mean, it was my sophomore year, so I must have, I can't even imagine what it must have been. But I, it must have been big, because I love working on that show. I wouldn't have missed it if it wasn't big. Yeah. I was having so much fun. fun we are always show. running around in college. Yeah.
0: That's a really fun show. I haven't been in it, but my sister was in it. So that's how you guys met. And then when did you start the production company? Like, probably after you graduated, or did you guys start it in college?
1: So Leland graduated first. Uh, Leland, you tell your version.
2: <laughs> well, our, my version is that just so Johnny and I met a uh, sophomore year of college at UCLA. Uh, I was a sophomore and he was an incoming uh, freshman and he was, you know, this incredible performer and pianist and singer. And we worked together on musicals with a hooligan theater company. Hooligan, oh, no. being sort of a, yeah, shout out to Hooligan, Really, shout out to Hooligan, a wonderful organization to support. It's sort of the, the people's theater company at UCLA, the one where basically everybody from any major, any background can come together. Oh,
0: awesome! Yeah,
2: the show, and that was where we met. And Johnny's this incredible performer, and we got along. I was assistant directing uh, that show, uh, and then the next yeah, we just sort of worked together on and off for a couple years on different things. I feel like. Did you direct? No, you never. No, Landon directed something that I assisted. I, I helped out with a few different people on things, but Johnny and I kept intersecting, and we were friends, and we knew each other socially through there. And then when I remember we, had, we,
1: did, yeah, we had one. I think we had one class together, and I think it was History yes. of Musical Theater.
2: Yes, a wonder which we miss. Apparently, the the great Gary Gardner had taught that up until that year, and then he passed away. Unfortunately, the year before, we were able to take it. A man who was who was. Uh, That class was a major institution in the L.A. musical theater scene. May rest in peace. Uh, Downer alert. Um, But after graduation, I went to grad school for two years. And while I was at grad school finishing, I wanted to, uh, I had two short plays I wrote that were going to be in the Hollywood Fringe Festival. Mm -hmm. And I think, John, that was like really when we, I mean, we'd like been in touch. Mm -hmm. But I think we really reconnected when you were cast
1: in that. Correct me if I'm wrong. But that was 100%. So you posted somewhere online that you had these plays that you wanted to do at Fringe. And I had never heard of Fringe, but I had just graduated. And I, I wasn't sure like how I was going to stay involved in theater after college. Yeah. But you had posted that you were doing a show. And specifically, you were looking for production help. So I yeah. chimed in and said, hey, yeah, I can help. I don't know specifically how, but if you need someone to help with on the production end, I'm here. Um, and, and you had a yeah. team already, but I kind of. I had a few,
2: there were a few people. I wasn't directing. That was my first, really my first, like kind of doing any theater thing where it's like, where I was the producer, like putting yeah. together like the whole thing. So that was Looking okay, for venues. Yeah. Doing all of that. So that was like a baptism by fire, but like, <laughs> you know, luckily Johnny was there to help. And then you wound up being in it. We wound up. Kind of, because, again, I can't overstate, in addition to being my producing partner in this great creative mind, Johnny is also
1: mm-hmm. a
2: fantastic performer, and that's yeah. how we first knew each other, and you played the world's most, the world's sweetest little serial killer um, yeah. in that show, in the in the second of those two one-act plays.
0: So, what year was that? I didn't realize that you, um, you you've you been part of Fringe for a while then, like you
2: almost we yeah it's been a bit that was um that must have been 2017 okay because that was when i finished grad school and from there it was it was it was was as simple as like oh we had so much fun doing that it was such a good time and again correct me if i'm wrong but we were basically like hey let's just do another show like now that we know that's just a thing you can do i mean even going to theater school like i had even getting Two degrees in theater, which is such a wonderful use of resources in, 20, uh, in, in the 21st century. Um, I still like, wasn't quite aware that you could just go out and make theater. And working with Johnny is, I think, what sort of changed that, being like, oh, I don't have to be, I'm not just, a, my background was in writing, I don't have to just be a lone wolf writer. Like, I can.
0: There's a community of people who are all doing this and supporting each other. Johnny was-
2: yeah, He's the cornerstone of that, of being like, oh, like, we can work together and make things yeah. that, like, we couldn't possibly do on our own.
0: Honestly, but- like, you are one of my favorite, like, teams. Because I, I, I've you. worked with you guys a few times, and I really, I, I appreciate how you guys work together and how you guys um, involve, the, like, everyone in the process. It's it's really, it's a good, you always, you always curate good groups of people. Thank and you. That's that- very yeah, and I always enjoy working with you guys. So it's like I'm like sad that we can't work together. Like this time last year, we were doing a show, and so it's like really nice to see you guys right now. So it like, kind of feels like like we are doing something. <laughs> I can't are.
1: believe it's been a I can't believe it's been a full year since that show. Yeah, that was. What, a- was
0: the, what was the last show that you guys did together? Was it that show, or did you guys do something else after that?
1: We had the Crazy X Cabarets. Yeah, that came after
2: Cabaret. it. Okay. We had we did a series of. Well, I guess Johnny. I mean, like, do you want? I mean, do you want to give like the abbreviated version of the kind of work we do? Yeah, I guess?
0: If, yeah. So just my... t- tell us. Tell the. Uh, tell my, my one or two listeners, <laughs> who uh, exactly like what kind tell of. Tell my work. audience,
2: Stephen. <laughs> um, what.
1: <laughs> I did. Sorry, the question is one more time. Like, what kind? No we, yeah. so we can edit that out. We can edit that out.
0: Yeah, just give like a um, like a general overview of what Shinbone does.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what if we're if we're gonna talk about like the company formula, mm-hmm. right? I I think it goes. We have to go back mm-hmm. to what I consider really the the beginning of our our agreement to to hey let's um make something new together for the first time mm-hmm. um, and that was Macabre okay yeah that was our um, first, that was our first produ- really our first
2: production like together as like okay co creative partners and that must have been then in October of 2017. yeah, October of
1: 2017. yeah. um over august so and Dana, it was the the you, that's where we met you. Yeah, um, was doing macabre. Yeah,
0: you guys had already had a residency, so you already had it going for a few months, I believe. And I joined like probably the last one you guys did, and you both weren't there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> is, this one of those, is this a confrontation show?
0: <laughs> yeah, you guys weren't even there. No, but that I mean that just you weren't there for the performance but you were there like for that, the entire like rehearsal process like you both had like other bookings that that evening but the entire team that was involved uh, the, the recurring band, theme of yeah, us the band was super supportive and like the i had met yeah no it was i'm i'm not saying you guys are i'm not the recurring
2: theme of this is us admitting that we are not there for much of what goes on in our well, I mean, professional that's
0: kind, life. Of, that's kind of what you as a producer like you you know you develop something and then you let it go and like you're not required to be at every performance like you know a lot of directors like opening i'm here and i'll be there at closing you know like i don't need to maintain it but um yeah so that's what you started with first
1: right so macabre just for those that for our listener (laughs) um (laughs) we set up a a a a variety show, right? So we had a whole bunch of different kinds of acts. We had drag and puppetry and dancing and singing and a live band and a comedy duo. Um, It's kind of slapsticky. And the, the theme of this show was that when you walked into the club, you were walking into hell and the show was hosted by Beelzebub himself, not Satan, but Satan's second Beelzebub. And you were, you were there, right? So even though it wasn't, we weren't using this word at the time, we weren't saying, ooh, it's immersive. Mm-hmm. We still cast our audience when they came into our cabaret. We said, you're in hell. And in fact, we gave them um, a, a little bit of role playing as well because we would ask them on little slips of paper, why are you here? Like, what's the worst thing you've ever done? And then at the, around the halftime, the host would come out and he'd play a game of who's the worst? Or it was called You're the Worst, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you're
2: the, we would have our host. And people didn't know this was going to happen, though they must have had an inkling. They were writing down things. Yeah, put, if you're uh,
0: writing something down, like it's probably going to be read.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then the host is Beelzebub uh, would come out and would read. And we had a series of, well, I mean, I'll go into this later, but they would come out and they would read, um, the three that they thought were the worst and then the audience would, via applause,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: uh, decide who the worst one was. And that person would be brought on stage and, like, surreptitiously booed and, like, (laughs) mocked and jeered as a form of penance and then let go again. And we got some... People have done bad things. They were willing to admit some wretched, wretched stuff. Yeah. It
1: was... It was... Johnny, do you remember what the worst one was? What do you think the worst? I mean the one that always comes back to my mind is like that weird guy that talked about sleeping with the mom and the daughter.
2: (laughs) That was weird. I think a lot about the person who like tricked her brother and who tricked her brother into punching through a glass window. (laughs) (laughs) And then like and then made him take the blame for like something else additionally like she like she like triple crossed him. Somebody like triple crossed their sibling.
0: Honestly, that sounds not as worse as a, uh, not as bad as sleeping with a daughter and a mother. (laughs)
2: Well, that guy was, that guy was, so most of the time, (laughs) most of the time it was good natured, like bringing people up. It was a good natured jeering. Him, our host (laughs) at the time was a friend of ours. This I do remember was a friend of ours named Alex, Mm -hmm. who is one of the funniest people. Dana knows Alex, Alex Weber. Yeah. And And
0: I, I think that's, he hosted it though when I was doing it. I think someone else was hosting.
2: I don't think so, but Alex yeah. laid right. into this dude rightfully. Such so. a
0: funny dude. He is like the he when he's in character, he is in character. And I he really is. appreciate that about him.
2: Yeah, and he's a wonderful writer too. He's a he's a great performer, but he's also like one of the one of the best, the funniest writers I know. But but he he unlike the usual good natured stuff, this guy, this leathery middle aged guy who came up with this awful thing he had to feel that aura of unrepentance of like yeah. you know come out and alex skewered him and the audience loved it <laughs> they they were like normally it's like oh like get yeah, cheers for this person but they were like no to hell with this guy like lay into him bls above and he did and okay. it was delightful
1: so tying back to immersive i would say that's where we Beelzebub. learned
0: mm-hmm. that the
1: audience wants to interact, yeah. and that the audience, to borrow from your vocabulary, <laughs> is down to clown.
0: <laughs> well that's not my, ver- well I guess it is. I honestly have never said that before though. <laughs> I'm down to clown. Really?
2: <laughs> that's upsetting. To- no, no, but yeah, no, that was, that was really, a- we didn't think of it necessarily as immersive. and I think it took um, a little bit for us to kind of figure out our identity as, oh, we don't just want to be a theater company we want to be an immersive theater company and i think this was really again correct me if i'm wrong but i think this was around the moment 2017 it felt like there was a big immersive boom
0: there was yeah
2: then it felt like a lot of different things and it was probably i mean sleep no more had now been around long enough that i think a lot of people across the country in la had had a chance to experience things like that i think immersive was really in them And L.A. Has, has such a fascinating immersive history with, you know, with, you know, the haunt scene and with all of these things that developed. Right. So it was, really felt like a lot of, it, it, was, it was just interesting to see. It really felt like it went from like, oh, immersive is fun to, oh, now immersive is everywhere in just a few years.
0: Yeah, and it's not even like one type of thing. It's not just like, not just horror. And it's not just, you know, it's like every kind of show is, can be immersive now, which like you guys have done, you've done, some funny immersives you've done, some some that are a little bit more darker, and like you've, so you've like fully branched out, you've done VR immersive, you've done all sorts of things with with the types of productions that you do. Um,
2: yeah, I think we definitely developed, again, at first not intentionally, but over time and through some developments that Johnny, I mean, you were involved in certain workshops and things, that I think really helped concentrate us in some ways. But I think we've developed what I would call a style or a philosophy towards immersive that I think Mm -hmm. guides a lot of what we've done now uh, in the past, especially in the past year and a half, in terms of our approach to what makes immersive important, what makes immersive distinct from regular theater, and what are we trying to accomplish with it.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. And Um, I want to say we can go into that too. Yeah,
0: no, please do. Like, yeah, what is that?
2: We're all over the place. We're really jumping all over here, and I apologize for that, no, but I think sort of This, this
0: is what else. I wanted, Leland. This is what I wanted. <laughs> you're going to edit
2: it in logical order afterwards.
0: No, no, no. I'm going to keep it just like this.
2: Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think sort of what it comes down to for us is we believe that what makes it immersive is not just that it's, it's not theater that happens around you. It's theater that happens because of you mm. in the audience. So it's about making theater where the audience is genuinely empowered to be a part of it and shape the nature yeah. of the story. And we, I mean, to use a little bit of immersive language, we don't even like to call them the audience, we call them specs.
0: That's right, is, yeah. I, I, I've never really used that term before, but I, I always remember you guys using that.
2: Yeah, so they're not audience, they're spectators and actors, which together yeah. spect actors or specs, <laughs> which I think speaks to the fact that when you're entering that space, You were not just like in a room to happen to see, oh, it's Uncle Vanya in a milk factory. Mm -hmm. Um, It's Uncle Vanya and you. And he's your Uncle Uncle Vanya. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, that kind of takes me back to like when I did see Johnny in One Flew or the Cuckoo's Nest. Like, we as an audience, we were in the asylum too. Like, we had identities, we had reasons as to why we were there and different characters were interacting with us before the show to like break out or cause a scene, you know, like really getting us involved. And it was, that honestly is like one of the coolest productions I've ever seen. And can you confirm Johnny, like who could that show together? Cause I, I can't remember what company that was. I was- Yeah, so that was
1: After Hours Theater Company, oh, yeah. which is um, run by artistic director Graham Wetterhan. And the immersive design was done by familiar faces, Sarah Beal yes. and KJ Nies.
0: Which I'm going to have to have them on this show, too. Absolutely. They're such a power couple. I love, they, they work so well together. And they've helped you guys on a few projects.
1: We've collaborated with them a couple of times, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And they're part of the same, as is Graham, part of the same UCLA we all went to okay. school together. Interesting. Yes, I always forget that's a key thing of where we know them from. I'm like, yeah, we know them from the community. Oh, wait, we also, <laughs> we also we, went to school with them. Yeah. We, we all did Hooligan. musicals together at Hooligan, Hooligan Theater Company Hooligan. at UCLA. That's
0: awesome. I'm a little bitter because I auditioned for UCLA, but I, I auditioned as a transfer student, and only like one or two transfer students get in. So I'm a little bitter that I didn't get in, but UC Irvine was a great school. So I-
1: and rewinding, none, except for Leland, none of those other people were theater majors.
0: Really? Oh, that's right.
1: Yeah, that's what's what's great about Hooligan Theater Company
2: is you had, you know, polished, handsome professionals like me and then, you know, unwashed uh, louts, a a horde of. (laughs) Like me. No, no, it was actually, that's what was great. It's like in the theater program, I didn't actually get to, like, do that much theater. I was studying theater, but, like, Hooligan was where I could just, like, build sets. Yeah and paint things and like everyone was in it together and I got to direct and I got to like, just do so assistant or all this great. It was so much fun. And it's like meeting all these amazing people who otherwise outside of my major, would I have run into them in a sea of, you know, 24,000 people, maybe not.
0: Honestly, like, I think that that shows in your work now because I feel like it's very collaborative when you have a team, like you let us kind of take charge of what, you know, if we have an instinct with something and and also like i i feel like it is a good team because you know i, wa- I want to show up early and help you guys build the set i want to like help out and i feel like you know within a community in a theater community that's so important and it's you guys make make it welcoming you know like you make you make the team or at least on my aspect like you make us want to be part of it and i think maybe it's you know from the hooligans experience you know that developing something together so I really appreciate I think
2: that. that's that's fair I mean Johnny I'd love to hear your experience on it because for me like I, I didn't join Hooligan until the end of my freshman year so I missed a lot of the I think kind of initial freshman year bonding but I think for a lot of people again I was very lucky in college I was lucky to very quickly because of the nature of my program meet a lot of people who became my close friends but I think especially when you're new to a huge school, having an organization like that that really socially and creatively brings people together is so valuable. And then just let it's like for the for the for instance for the winter shows, uh, everybody
1: gets a role, right, Johnny? Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. Anyone that so they do two shows in rep for the winter quarter, and there's enough roles for anyone in the entire school who wants to audition. And sometimes that's two shows with 50 person cast. And it's
2: been you know, and it's it's sometimes tricky to pull off because you have to balance so many people. Yeah. but again, that's how you get people from, like oh mathematicians and computer scientists and all these different people together. and it's I think, yeah, it's it's theater in a way that I mean, this is my sort of thought on theater in general. I think the big challenge of getting people to go to the theater other than the risk of infectious illness now is <laughs> the, the of view of it as this. Johnny put his head in his hands, everybody, Johnny's bleeding out his eyes. Um, is that, I think there's deep cultural connotations of it as an unaffordable and elitist and, you know, boring institution. And the biggest thing you can do to combat that is theater education. And, you know, ideally in the future, that's something we would love to contribute to, I think, as well. Because if you build audiences, it's by connecting with young people and getting them involved in theater.
0: And you guys have a good audience, too. Like, I feel like your audience is pretty diverse. Like, you get a lot of young people, but you get older. Like, I feel like you have a good outreach.
1: I think we got lucky. I have no idea where they came from. <laughs> like, yeah, why? But... You, why? <laughs> Seriously, like,
0: yeah.
1: the fact that we put on a show and people end up coming, I'm, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's so nice of you. Where did you yeah. come from? It's really <laughs>
2: amazing. It's, and I think it's... I'm always amazed too because I think our shows are, in a way, I hope this is a Sunday, I think our shows can be a bit of a hard sell. In that, for us, immersive is not about, again, it's not just like, oh, like sit, like, you know, in a giant, beautiful set and, like, you know, let the acting just sort of happen around you. It's theater. It kind of demands, in some ways, like a level of engagement and participation from you.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, so a lot not, of things you do are very intimate. So it's like, yeah you the audience kind of has to participate i mean especially the shows
2: that you've done with us yeah
0: yeah especially those shows
2: yeah and i think it's it next to i think a lot of what you're talking about what this podcast is about is our challenge is you know how do we get these specs to take on roles and to engage in ways that mm-hmm. actively drive the story forward and drive the story forward while giving them maximum enjoyment because again for us two theater needs to be it's a hard sell maybe to get them in, but we want them to have as good a time as possible while they're there. And that means sometimes getting them to really go outside their comfort zones to achieve kind of new levels of yeah. enjoyment that they wouldn't otherwise have had.
0: What is, um, what comes to mind of some of your productions that audiences really took charge and like really wanted to engage and
2: kind of she you would, know like
0: this was, it enhanced the performance. Like what stands out?
2: Chipmunk on the street, right? That's got to be it. Which one? He, the he's chipmunk in. on woodchuck. the street. Oh, yeah. Not chipmunk, <laughs> woodchuck. 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 The woodchuck, yeah.
0: Hollywood. Oh, that's right, I heard the story. Yeah, you should definitely tell this story. Johnny,
1: tell, tell them what Well, what I mean, it's it's not so bizarre. We, we had a show called Welcome Back, Woodchucks. The concept was you were at a 10-year high school reunion, your 10-year high school reunion, to be specific. Mm-hmm. And we had one character that... Um, appeared as the high school mascot, Woody the Woodchuck. Um, and we had a, a, that costume. And we had one audience member that ended up in the costume and taking it outside of the venue, which, which for the record was part of our show. We had characters that took audience members outside on a trip to the liquor store. Um, the streets of Hollywood night. Nice. It just made for funny images yeah. to see someone who is an audience member now walking the crowded streets of Hollywood at night to oh, a liquor yeah. store in his woodchuck costume.
2: Yeah, which again was sort of, it was, but that's one of those things where on paper, well, I like you're like, it's not so simple. We got an audience member to dress up in a full body woodchuck costume, and then they led a parade through the streets of Hollywood at night. Yeah.
0: It's cause um, you made it a, in a, a comfortable environment. So, and I think that's something you guys are really good at is you create the space. And it it puts the audience in that mindset that they want to put on a costume.
2: (laughs) But that was one of those great things of like, oh, something going so right that it almost goes wrong in that the way our shows typically work is we instead of breaking things down to scenes, we break them down into what we call modules, sort of smaller segments in which certain goals must be accomplished or are supposed to be accomplished to move forward. And in the module where people had to put on the woodchuck costume, and this is, you know, there's like 40 things happening at the same time in each module, because it's, you know, this was a big show with, you know, 40 to 50 audience members. But so when the person in the costume, who will not be named, um, decided to run outside and join the group outside we had to, you know adjust and make sure everything else still flowed despite everything they were supposed to be doing and everything with that module now being disrupted because we no longer had that character or that scenario in play in the same way inside because now the woodchuck and we we tried to encourage them i we came out and we tried to encourage them to come back in because we needed them for something later and they were just like they you know they were just going with his part but they're like no 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 and just like you know mocking us like ran outside and like ran out of the venue honestly um, the- that
0: kind of reminds me of with um afterlife anonymous like w- there was typically like the same ending every time but one night one of the audience members just did not want to give in and like it just ended completely differently <laughs> and like you just as a performer like you have to just go with that and it's Sometimes it's scary. <laughs> but sometimes it just like it makes it even better too, because it's like you're not expecting that at all.
1: I had a feeling that would come up yeah. um, on this call. I knew oh. it was it was, it was always gonna come well, up. There were me.
0: there were a few there were a few audience members in that show that I specifically remember like it kind of leading and that was one of your professors, right? That
1: Right. So he, he taught me a lot. I don't know should I say his name or just Yeah, go it? for it. Okay. His, name, oh, his hi. name is Jeff Worth. He he's done a lot of immersive work and specifically teaching at uh, the, the the performance of immersive. Um, it, was it, it was
0: a big challenge, I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> right. So
0: in a good way though. It
1: got it got me thinking, like it, it, it was like remind it, me what because.
0: You weren't at that performance I, I, I wasn't there. Know, oh, no, yeah. you weren't
2: there at that one. Imagine Bringing Michael Phelps to a pool party. <laughs> Imagine bringing a guy who's been a progenitor of how immersive works for 40, 50 years. Yeah, he
0: took over the show. Like, like he, An immersive
2: he... show inspired right. by many of his teachings and many of his philosophies on it are like a big part, I think, of what our company has become uh, yeah. since Johnny studied with him and I saw their performances and I was just blown away and I'm incredibly But So yeah, it was Michael Phelps at like a kid's pool party where yeah. he was you know, I think kind of pointedly making bigger, bolder, crazier choices as an audience member that due to the relatively tight nature of that show, it was literally one small intimate space, uh, six performers, 12 specs, I think, 10 or 12 Mm -hmm. specs total, incredibly intimate, had to run super tightly because we had to squeeze a lot of shows into a night due to... uh, Oh well, frankly, yeah, do the budget stuff. We had to run a lot of shows to break even. Yeah. Um I was, you know, operating all the tech from inside of a closet.
0: Yeah, you were in the which, closet was, all the whole time.
2: <laughs> which is tricky. I had no monitor, no anything. I was just doing everything based on listening through a door and running cues on my laptop, which I'm not a trained um like board op. So in response to this guy sort of making big bold swings, I thought that highlighting him as certain audience members were highlighted in the show and sort of put center would be fun, but I did. It was, we gave him a lot of power and he used it boldly in a yep. way that I think people are usually afraid to, but just don't think to because
1: he's the, the chief of that and he was yeah. kind of nuts.
0: I mean, I'm so t- oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh no, say what you were going to say, Dana.
0: I was just that a lot of audience members t- do that, but also I think he felt safe because he was. Like, he knew you guys. So I think he pushed it a bit more. Because yeah. I've definitely had audience members do things like that. And it's just like, Ugh. But in that yeah, situation, he wasn't doing it. like, yeah, he just, he was having fun. And he was going with it. But, like, yeah. pretty much what happened was.
2: Several of his went, students were there. Like, you know, it was, right, it was a yeah. very safe, familiar group. Like, if exactly, anybody was yeah. going to do it. Again, if you're going to get whooped by anybody in a game of tennis, you want it to be, like, Rafael That's- Nadal or whoever. You don't want it to be, like. If it's some Randall, you're like, to hell if you get off the court. But it's like, damn, this guy's good.
0: Yeah, it was, it was, I just remember it was, I mean, I was going through a lot of personal stuff at the time. So I remember being like really pissed, but like looking back at it, I'm just like, it was a good challenge because we all had to stay in character and we had to keep going even though it was supposed to end this way, but nope, it was going this way instead. And you just have to go with it. So like as a, as an actor, it was, I mean, I kind of appreciate it because (laughs) Like what do you do in those situations? You know. Can
1: you can you remind me? Because I remember. So he was in the circle where he was supposed to hear the voice of the living. Right. He was supposed to accept that he had to be dead, and he hears the voice of the living, and he freaked out, and he was saying that he he like wouldn't. The exact opposite. Yeah.
0: He did. I don't want to listen. Yeah. If you're
1: supposed to say like
2: yes. He said, well, that actually, no, that makes it sound negative because it wasn't that. It was he knew sort of the beat that was supposed to happen or not supposed, you know, actually, I talked with him after and it wasn't this. He really, we'd scripted it a little tightly. A certain specific thing had to happen. They kind of had to accept that, like, yes, I'm dead and I'm resisting this seance and resisting the call to life.
0: But he kept wanting to
2: talk to his brother, right? That was the idea.
0: The gist of of the show, too, was that the audience members are coming in to an AA meeting for being um, ghosts for haunting people, and they're coming in newly dead. And yeah. there is a ghost who's in the show, and she is a, she doesn't believe that she is. And I was a ghost, and I was one of the oldest ones. So with that context in mind, he was, as an audience member, being pulled in to have a seance. And was it his brother, is that? And Leland was the voice of Yeah, that so that I had
2: to brother. be in the closet with a microphone Basically being like, oh, there's a seance happening in the real world and they're trying to summon you back. But this is like, you know, this is the, in, for Alcoholics Anonymous, it would be, you know, the temptation to drink. It's you have to overcome this temptation to speak to the living. You have to move on. And it's this pivotal moment in the show. There's fog and lights and crazy noise and everyone's going bonkers. It's all this stuff. And he was, you know, just trying to take it in a different direction, which is his right as a spec. And uh, so we had to, we just never had anybody take it that yeah. far. But what did we, what did we do? What, what did we do so on we our rolled with it?: We like had a second, we had it like go away and then like come back as like his brother and do the same. Like he was like, I want to speak to my brother. And I basically had to go away and then come back. I think it's the different character. I oh, think. and you played his brother. Yeah, over okay. the mic. I believe I did basically not browbeat him into kind of going along with it, but we sort of had to adjust and just keep working along to get to that same point with people just responding in different ways. Yeah, because I think it.
0: it also went on for a long time because after that moment, my character was supposed to come to terms with it and cross over. So then I think at one point I heard the, the music you had finally just put on the music cue for that. And I was like, thank God I can leave. Because <laughs> I, I feel like too, like my character didn't, speak as much and I was just like like I wanted I was kind of laughing I was like oh my god this is never gonna end
1: (laughs) yeah it it was like
0: it was really cool to see like how everyone especially um oh my god I'm blanking on his name right now
1: John Ryan Brady
0: Brady he controlled the entire audience like he was he was the one you know leading it and I just commend him so much like he had a lot yeah. to do
2: <laughs> and that's something by the way I think you'll see in a couple of our shows uh we have we've had several different shows from uh, we've done you know a lot of different types of things but a lot of them do feature because we want audiences to come in and accept you know that they are a character and go along it. we often have sort of facilitator type characters in yeah. character who work with them we don't want to you know, give them too much stuff that they have to plan for beforehand. We just want, if right. they have questions, if they have thought like it to be a natural part of the world. So, and that's one of the benefits in immersive of having someone who's more of a facilitator is yeah. uh, through Brady's character who's the leader of this group. Yeah, he or could, and even like you know, the
0: Grim Reaper, not the Grim Reaper, but like the train guy beforehand yeah, uh, leading them through. Like he was at right, that. that was yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think that's. Yeah. That's some, uh, even with what went wrong, having Claire there as like the intern or like the new person bringing them in. uh, Yeah, she can
2: speak to people's questions and concerns. And I think that's a big, with all immersive, you have sort of the initial, if we're going to have you be a person in it, there's a buy-in of what, Mm -hmm. of you going along with it and to what degree you're going along with it. And I think for a lot of people, it's a little nerve wracking because they don't want to mess up with people going to immersive, like good naturedly, they don't want to, screw it up for other people. And having someone that they can kind of go to and who can kind of make things clear to them is a good way for them to both stay in character and get answers they need if things aren't clear to them.
0: And something that was fun that I noticed too with with that show is that audience members would kind of pick a character to like stick to or hang out with that they could feel comfortable with. And it was always like fascinating to see, you know, who wanted to be with who and honestly, like I thought no one was going to like my character, but people like wanted to know about me and like wanted to, you know ask me questions and stuff. and um I just I was I, I loved the exercise that we had to do with them too. like we it felt like we literally were in like a group therapy session, and uh, it was yep. just it's always cool to see like when the audience just fully embraces and goes with it.
1: It's something that kind of blurs that line, right? If you, if you host a group therapy session and say, it's a show. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and I know we definitely had some people who
2: intentionally or not, you know, certain things in the show like really spoke
0: mm-hmm.
2: to aspects of their lives. I mean, we had the audience members having to talk about how they died and we guided them with that. We helped them with that. Yeah. But it can put you in a very emotional state to think about, oh my God, what is my life? I'm dead. And yeah. so for some people, you know, I think they get they got extremely, which is good for me. It, I, I mean, for us, I think the goal is to provoke and push people into entering a new space, yeah. uh, emotionally and mentally. And you know, with that show, we really did sometimes even more <laughs> wildly than others. Yeah. If I can I, bounce.
0: And even with like the exercise that they do is like things that they remember, like senses, like, the, tastes they enjoyed, sounds they enjoyed, things that made them happy, like as a living person. And um, yeah, just to hear what some audience members would talk about, it was just like, oh my God, like it made me appreciate life so much more because I I mean, with my personal life going on, I had a friend who had just died. And I remember during that show just being a mess, but it honestly kind of got me through the situation, you know, being surrounded by a comfortable group of people and being able to get those feelings out, even though my character was really reserved, but even just seeing other people share that, it just, it, it really was like a good environment to to be part of. So, I appreciate that a lot.
2: <laughs> we, we appreciate you. you. I mean, yeah, we appreciate you. Yeah, you were, you had some stuff happen to be, and you were really, yeah. I mean. Oh yeah, and yeah, I had just able... found
0: out my dad had cancer. Yeah, so like all of this stuff was just piling on, and I kept getting sick, and it was just like, Oh my god. <laughs> but then like
2: you were like there and you were pulling it off like so amazingly and it, in some ways like I think the hardest part of the show for you was you had to not laugh at stuff. Yeah. You had to be severe. John Ryan have...
0: every time would get me.
2: Shout out to John Ryan Benedict. Yeah, and I'm going to
0: interview him soon. I have him scheduled. I can't wait to hear his stories. But he... John
2: Ryan is so funny. We literally I just finished shooting my first feature film and we flew him to New York he lived with me and the director in the director's apartment for a, for like for one scene to be in it
0: oh that's amazing
2: um because he was so funny and the director had seen him in our shows he'd twa- uh-huh. seen him in stuff and he'd seen him in some of our readings and he was like we got to get that guy for this for this part
0: yeah he he's so fun to play off of i mean everyone you guys cast like those ca- everyone was so good every everyone that i've interacted with in your productions th- there's such a strong improv that you need to have just in case something does you know go off and like his jokes were always just like, I, had, I had the hardest time not smiling <laughs> it was so hard
2: <laughs> it was cruel of us to ask you not to
0: I know and I feel like that was always like the one note I got was don't smile don't smile don't... I'm like why did you cast me as this part
2: <laughs> and you got to tell the world's worst joke what was the joke? Wait, Dana, give us the oh joke. God.
0: I don't even remember. It was, what's the
2: it was, difference? It was the, the Dutchman. Danish.
0: Man. No.
2: Yes, yeah, it was the, was what's it? the difference? What's oh, the, the difference? A between a Danish man? And a, and a tube.
0: And one. one is
2: a little cylinder and one is a silly Hollander. A hol- one is a hollow cylinder and one is a silly Hollander. That's it.
0: It was a tongue twister for me, too, and, like, at first I didn't get it. I was just saying it. I was like, wait, why am I saying this joke? Oh, because I'm an old Victorian ghost. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can't wait to have John Ryan on. Um, so what are maybe some horror stories that you've had to deal with audiences? I feel like I've been getting a lot of horror stories lately of, like, drunk audience members and, like, you know, just people being absurd and, like, not playing along but i'm curious like if you guys have had any of those experiences
2: it's interesting i mean we have i mean like i said i feel like our biggest horror story was in some way uh that guy was worth but it was it was the opposite it was a horror story of somebody going far it wasn't even a horror story and that it really was like you know just unexpectedly pushed us to work harder be smarter do all that and so i can't even i mean i'm sure we've had we had
1: and Johnny, outside of, I'm sure it cuckoo in
2: it things.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, again, nothing that became so horrible that, like, we couldn't handle it. The first thing that came to mind is um, one guy at Cuckoo's Nest got so into the revolution of <laughs> of, you know, the patients versus the nurses yeah, that yeah. he went into the nurse's office and barricaded himself in there. Oh, and we could not get him out where it was Kind of important for him to not be in there. Yeah. Um. So that required some actioning.
0: Especially with a space like that, there were a lot of secret rooms, and we kind of had free range at the beginning to go as we please. Yeah.
1: (laughs) People (laughs) get creep.
0: Oh yeah. Maybe yeah. Talk a bit about your experience of creep.
1: Uh. What about creep? Creep was with uh just fix it productions jfi productions it's a haunt that happens in los angeles around halloween time um they've been running at least five years i think this was their fifth year that i did it crazy um
0: that's why you weren't at our show uh most of the shows for
1: that's that's what exactly right it was the same time
0: yeah and you i mean you guys are always doing multiple things at the same time too
1: which we don't mean it to happen like that because there's often times where we're not doing anything (laughs)
0: so I feel like that's kind of, like, an artist's life, though. Like, you get booked so many times, and then it's like, eh, now there's nothing. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so, like, what did, what was your role in Creep?
1: Yeah, so the the concept of this year's Creep was the house, H-A-U-S, of Creep. So you, as an audience member, were attending a new museum where the company uh, my my character's name was peter and he was a member of the company so he would greet you and sign you in and show you around the museum um where the art on display was alive and creepy and it, it was other actors right so we had basically enslaved these weirdos to be pieces of art in our exhibit so even though we're putting on these you know, bright, oh, I'm so glad you're here. We're taking you in to, to, sh- to show off our enslaved art.
0: <laughs>
1: um, so it was creepy, it was, it was creepy stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and what was many, fun- how
0: th- many audience members did you lead at a time?
1: So literally um, we would let in 10 at a time. Okay. Yeah, I think they could hold like, I wanna say 100 people per showing. Um, and we would let in 10 at a time. Um, But there were often opportunities for one-on-ones as well, so. It's a big space, that was a big space. Yeah. What was fun for me in that show was, people meet me at the beginning and they immediately trust me, Mm -hmm. right? And then throughout the show, they could start to sense, oh shit's going wrong. So then they would stop trusting me. And at the end of the show, my character died, spoiler. And (laughs) as people left, I would be there, dead. Yeah. And as people were leaving and I was lying there on the floor dead some people that for whatever reason were still attached to me even though I, I was a terrible person um, some of them would be like, oh no, not Peter Peter's dead. <laughs> Whereas others would be like fuck you Peter, he's yeah. coming like Peter's the worst
0: Oh my gosh Yeah, I, I'm so sad I didn't get I wasn't able to see that I've always heard amazing things about Creep was there any situation that like got kind of tricky and that you had to get yourself out of?
1: You know, that cast and creative team, that crew, um, were such pros and so supportive that if anything went wrong, like it was, it was taken care of very quickly.
0: Yeah, there were like a lot of things set in place to, not, to make sure no accidents happened.
1: Right. I mean, the one thing that comes to mind is an audience member took an actress's wig, and it was actually her own personal wig.
0: Oh,
1: God. Um, and so that, that, was, that was wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, she approached him in character and, like, scared the shit out of him. She's like, where did you get this? Don't you ever touch this again. Y- and you could do that in Creep, because yeah. it's, it's a haunted house and it's scary. And um, so props to her, Yannicka. That's her name. Um, for for, you know, making that, what could have been a tricky situation, yep. work in the world of the show.
0: For sure. Um, what? Let me, I'm trying to think. We so we talked about the last thing that you did was the crazy ex girlfriend. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Which was and, not quite in our usual wheelhouse, but it was for a good cause.
0: Well, yeah. But- and- it was super popular, too, as well.
1: And it goes back to our musical theatery,
0: yeah.
1: a cabaret roots. Oh. Yeah, Have there yeah. been
0: any, like, weird, not weird, but just, like, any moments that stick out doing musical theater and doing variety shows that, like, you know, something that really stuck out from another performer or from an audience member, you know, in a good way that kind of confirmed, like, why you're doing what you're doing?
1: Ooh, ooh, that's a good, like, a must.
0: Yeah, because I, I mean, feel like that's something so important as an artist to remember. Like, even my conversation I had earlier with Zachariah, like, you had to remember why you're doing what you're doing. And, um, yeah, so, like, are there moments that confirm that for you?
2: When we were doing Welcome Back Woodchucks, so when my parents came to the show, they had an extra ticket, and so they brought my—one of my father's uh, co-workers, who's this young French woman. And,
0: oh, she came to our show but, too. I think, right?
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. She, she, yeah. She, she went. She moved back to France. But before then, she would come to a lot of these because she really liked yeah. theater. And like my dad would always, you know, buy a couple of tickets for my shows, and then he would just, you know, give them to people. Awesome. Uh, shout out to Eric Frankel. Um, <laughs> I, was I like, guess. Do you know, your um,
1: dad's
2: name? <laughs> yeah, you know, that was a weird hesitation. But you know, she, you know, she her her English was her English was was really good, but. She wasn't, you know, not like, you know, the person you'd think would just go like hog wild in the show. You know, I think a reserved person in some ways. And the fact that we were able to convince her to be one of the first people to put on a full body woodchuck costume and then go around for like 10, 15 minutes pretending to be the school mascot. Yeah. Dancing and like stunting on people and taking pictures with people and stuff. And it's, again, that's like a very contained story. 90% of the audience will never know that that woodchuck is swapped out. And that's an audience member in there. They will never know that happened.
0: Oh, okay.
2: But it's like a unique, powerful journey for one person to get to do this crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that we, as the show, were able to do Woodchuck had a lot of those. Woodchuck also had with Harrison, when Harrison had to... All my examples like feel very extreme, but for one of our cast members, there's a scene near the end where these characters become more and more intoxicated sprints out of the main venue and into the bathroom at the finale of the show but when he did that there was already an audience member in there oh no and he made himself throw up in front of that person yeah staying in character no you don't but he said he did do you not
0: Wait, no, Johnny,
2: you made a face. Oh, no, 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 no. i was just uh, a face of like, yeah. That's <laughs> oh, I thought that was a face of like, I thought that was a face of like, well, he says that. I was like, oh my God, if i been like repeating a book? Fuck- okay, <laughs> no, story regardless. Cut that part. Oh, Cut did it. <laughs> um it. Yeah, he threw up in front of an audience and I'm just, you know, I wish he hadn't in some way. He would, but that's, you know, commitment. <laughs> I wish he hadn't just in that, like, you know, I don't like to put unreasonable expectations on people, but also... The most exciting thing about it is that people go, people were wearing less and less clothes by the end of every performance of Welcome Back Woodchucks. It started with like, oh, his pants are falling down. And by the end of it, he was like, buck ass naked by the last show, almost so.
0: Like, I think that kind of speaks to the environment that you create with your actors. Like they feel safe enough to keep going further and further. In a safe way. In a safe way, of course, yeah. (laughs)
2: And we want to, you know, we want to push stuff. I mean, for us, we don't want to make things that feel cozy. I mean, cozy is the wrong word for things that feel safe or feel predictable. We want to just to to push. I don't think, you know, art, what's the point of art if you're not trying new and exciting things Mm -hmm. at all times? You know, like, what's the point of immersing if you're not experimenting with new modes of getting people to immerse? Like, otherwise, you know, just you're just gonna play in the room. You know, we, we just want to take people places and with Welcome Back Woodchucks, I know we definitely took that man who saw Harrison
1: vomiting to a place. I'm, I'm thinking of Disneyland, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a thing that like Disneyland sells. Dole. It's, it's Dole Whip and <laughs> Mouse Ears. But all of that is encapsulated in the idea of you bring your family here because you are going to make memories here that last a lifetime, Mm -hmm. right? And they're immersive world builders, the Imagineers, you know, you come in and you step into these worlds and you have fantastic experiences. And that's what we're doing, right? Um, And I'm thinking more to immersive shows I've seen, I'm thinking of In Another Room that E3 Productions did, um, I'm thinking of Then She Fell um, in Brooklyn. Like you have experiences that make memories and you have those forever. And there's that in, in you know proscenium theater as well, but there's something that's more ingrained uh-huh. in your brain like that you just remember when someone looks at you, takes your hand, and I'm just thinking again of in another room, a character said to me, and it, it just really resonated with me as a, as a music person. She, her character was going through a difficult time. She was like running away from an abusive relationship. And she takes my hand and she looks me in the eye and she says, harmony, though difficult to balance, is possible. And like, it, it doesn't, you know, it, it's, it's like- It's just for you. It, it meant like that moment will stick with me forever. Yeah because she looked me in the eye and held my hand and we were in an interesting place and said it.
0: Mm-hmm. I, so, yeah, and I love I love moments like that. And you guys are creating moments like that for people. Like who knows how many audience members have left your shows and it, a year or two years later, like still resonates with them.
2: That's that's definitely the, I mean, that would be, I don't think as an artist you can want anything more than that. I mean, you make art for two reasons. One, out of like the compulsive need for attention and two, uh, to touch people's lives. Those are the two main ingredients of every artist. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think if there's been like, uh, Leland, we've never outright said this, but I, I think like an ingredient of our formula is we want people to look back on our experience, maybe years later and say, remember that crazy shit we did? Like, remember when we were in a VR headset debating the the future of a couple? You remember when we went to a high school reunion that wasn't ours? Remember when we were ghosts in a therapy session? It's it's not thing we saw, it's thing we did. It's because
2: the audience... Literally, like, who
0: you were, like, who you became and what you experienced in that moment. And having, like, feeling okay to do it, not feeling silly, not feeling, like i um, role playing, but literally like have feeling like you give the audience members like a purpose. Which I think is really smart because sometimes if you go into an immersive event, you're just kind of there to, to watch and observe. But with your productions and with, you know, other productions out there, the audience has a reason to be there. And I think having a reason like makes you me as an audience member or as a person, you know, in general, like having a purpose feels good regardless of how big or small it is
1: and just hopping off our high horse for a second yeah. there are plenty of shows where that format of i am here it's happening around me there's plenty of shows where for that okay. show that is the right thing of course, and it can yeah. still be uh, amazing experiences that way
0: yeah
1: um, this you is just have to, yeah what we yeah and worked.
0: i've done i've done plenty of shows like that and
1: we love, I, love theater.
2: We love music. We love all these yeah. things.
0: Yeah. know and I think that's what's really cool about what you guys do is that I mean here you are you started as a variety show and now you've progressed and you've gone into the VR world. You've gone into you know all these other worlds and I think it's really cool that you're kind of collaborating and bringing all those worlds together too. Um, but I, I do want to touch a little bit on what went wrong and with um, and with the VR and how how that worked for you guys because that was a pretty big undertaking I I think um and yeah. being involved in that project was such a cool experience I had never filmed in VR before and then you add on top of it it's immersive as well so how is yeah. that for you <laughs> for you guys
1: I mean for me it's it is still one of the things that I look back on and I'm like isn't that cool that shit we did like that was that was I mean, it started, if we're just talking origin story, I remember being in my apartment, um, and Leland pitched that he wanted to do something in VR.
2: And that was partially because I know KJ, who we we knew and had worked with before, had been tinkering with that, and he'd suggested the notion of that as well, kind of in passing, and it really sort of lodged in my head while we were trying to think about our next
1: show. Mm -hmm. And so we together came up with the idea of, okay, well, if it's live and VR, what if the reason that the audience is viewing things via VR is because they are viewing the memories of another person? So that, that I think was one of the first pieces. And our first idea was it was going to be a murder mystery, right? Where you were going to try to solve the the murder Of of a dead man by viewing his memories. Something
2: like that. It was definitely that's, more
0: That's still a really good idea.
2: Dramatic. I remember a lot of yeah. this came together by the way. I remember we were in like a we were drinking whiskey or so. We were in So
0: Westwood. that was we like
1: there. the second meeting. That the I, second. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
2: Um, but
1: yeah it was Yumi and KJ and it was at um Rocco's in the basement at Westwood.
2: That was a good time. That was um yeah, it was it was definitely this thing of I don't think we would have attempted if we didn't already know. We had a friend who worked and had done things in right. VR, gave yeah. us the confidence, and who had suggested, hey, and in the past, hey, we should work together on something. So we were like, okay, well, we've got, we're a little bit resource first theater making sometimes. It's kind of think of who you know and what you've got and what you can mm-hmm. make with it. What can I do with As You can try and make the best possible thing. And yeah, and it was just kind of working backwards when we know we want to do VR and we don't like, I discovered. We don't, like, pretense so much. Like, the lower the buy-in for somebody to be in an immersive experience, the more they can be in it. Right. If that makes sense. They so have to, we like, don't prepare
0: something, want... like, it can be a little, like...
2: Well we, well, we just don't want them to have to pretend they're not wearing a VR headset. Right. For instance. So it was, like, you know, if we're doing this, how do we incorporate it? And the same thing, I think, goes for all of our shows. Like, if you're going to a place, we sort of have to treat it in a way as you are going to a place. We don't want to lie to you about you are walking into a room and you are sitting in a chair. Mm -hmm. We can do some incredible things with that, but we don't want to ask you the whole time you're there to be in your head going, this isn't a chair, it's a horse.
1: (laughs) Well, great. Something that was fun about What Went Wrong is that people didn't know when the show was starting like they had a start time and they would show up and
0: I right, played the, they had to go to the coffee shop first and like right. yeah. there yeah we had
2: nowhere we had well, we had no room in the front we had no
0: yeah and uh, and we were i remember sorry sorry to cut off um no. but uh there was a back room that we could hang out in but we didn't find out about that until i think the other cuz there were two different groups or two different um casts so yeah. i was like the first few weeks and then i think the second cast started hanging out in the back room, whereas, like, the first cast, we were in my car, like, waiting. We didn't realize that we could wait in the back. Um, but I love that about immersive theater, too, is, like, the location is kind of a big thing. Like, that was literally in a storefront.
2: Right.
0: Um, yeah, and we but, yeah. had
2: people, we just said like, hey, you are an employee at this company. You're mm-hmm. walking in. This is the office. It looks like an office. You're working here. You they one of the job.
0: Work. Yeah, and there's, like, it, wine what? in the coffee pot, like... <laughs>
2: Yeah, people can just sort of roll with the experience in a way, yeah. which is, and again, pretense is like an important thing, I think, for theater. Like I said, I don't want to say it's like, you know, obviously part of the power is being able to say a chair is a horse and people go along with it. Mm-hmm. But I think for that kind of immersive, it was a lot to ask people to put on a headset and engage with VR anyway. So we didn't want to hide that like, hey, you are putting on a headset and you're looking at a thing yeah. and making that organically be like, oh, you are watching someone's memory, you are inside and living a memory. I think that was sort of the breakthrough stroke from there. And then having it be, oh, it's different.
1: Memory.
0: Yeah, because the, the thing was that each audience member, you they weren't all seeing the same thing. They were seeing the boyfriend's version, and, they were, and others were seeing the girlfriend's version, which so, I always loved.
1: <laughs> the, the origin of that is that KJ and Sarah love The Bachelor, right? <laughs> <They> loved- um. <laughs> they do and they still pretty regularly monday nights is bachelor night
0: oh that's so funny
1: um and so you would have these nights at their apartment where they'd have a small group of people and you'd be eating cheese and salami and people would fight over who's right in the bachelor right so when we were trying to figure out how to make the vr experience less heavy than a murder mystery, mm-hmm. we were, we, I think it was KJ that was like, well, what if it was like The Bachelor? And from there, that's what led to the, oh, and what if they were fighting? And yeah. What, yeah. The a murder
2: mystery, it's love, and, it's, and it is a mystery still, but it's
1: to quote Sufjan Stevens, it's the mystery of love. Just rewinding, right? something that we don't talk about with that show is how quickly and efficiently and effectively Leland wrote all of those scenes of the the differing memories in the VR headset. Thank Um, you, that's very- Just just throwing that out there. That's a good memory for me.
0: As a performer, it was fun too because we were filming two different versions of the thoughts. And so, you know, from the boyfriend's perspective in a certain scene, like I'm being super emotional or in my, like, it's just really interesting like the little nuances to change the memories. And I, I was definitely using my personal life because I was like kind of going through a, a breakup at that point. And so I was like, okay, I can really use this now. And it's just, and you had two different casts. And so we had to film it multiple times with- That was the
2: craziest part. Yeah. That was the craziest part of the show for sure was having three Different
0: versions. Yeah, like. With- <laughs>
2: three characters with six performers and that was literally I mean that was just for scheduling for we had just a huge volume of shows like five hour chunks a night like three nights a week I think Mm -hmm. and so we had to for these memories yeah we literally had to film different versions with all of the performers and then figure out a way to quickly like splice them together so everybody was getting the right memories so that when the performers showed up in real life it was the right people because imagine yeah. you're seeing a memory with Michael Denny or whatever and then John shows up you're like who this bitch like,
0: is it? I thought he was a redhead but this guy's black <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: this is a short redheaded white guy like who is this like super tall black guy like this doesn't make yeah, sense
0: which luckily me and Marissa are like sort of similars but
1: <laughs> that would have been but a very, big big mismemory yeah. that would have been a hell of a mis- misremembering um, <laughs> We could have blamed, we could have gone away with it. We could have blamed it on the science of the yeah. memory. Oh,
0: that's, how did that memory that's, go? That's
1: my big thing. I always
2: tell every performer, I'm sure I told you this a billion times, but every performer for immersive, I mean for every kind of show, but especially for immersive, nothing has gone wrong until you show the specs that something has gone wrong. Right. But nobody knows how anything is supposed to happen. And so there can, be mo- I mean, like, there can be moments where things go into chaos, but if you just like pull through it to the end, it's all just sort of part of the plan. Yeah. So re- and really you have infinite freedom, especially in immersive where things are less scripted yeah. to fuck around and find out.
0: That show was always fun too, because keep- the audience wasn't aware that we were going to come in. So they're like viewing our memories. And then all of a sudden, like they're talking about who they believe was at fault for the breakup. And then all of a sudden we knock on the door and we barge in as if like oh we're back together now and just like seeing the audience's reaction like every audience was always different and that was one of the most like fun shows that i had done because you just never knew what to expect and it because it depended on the dynamics of the audience together
1: right
0: it depended on um Well, was also at fringe too and so like you know some of these people are seeing multiple shows and and some of them don't want to talk and some of them want to talk and um it was just always always a different experience and i loved that
2: and it's like six people it was very very small groups like you can't as an odd as a spec um we still (laughs) instinctively call them audience members sometimes but i really do try to call them specs because it is a different mindset and approach you you can't hide when there's a small group of people. So it's, you know, again, yeah. people would get frustrated. Or anything. Like there's, you know, just a whole race. Some people instinctively would hate it. It's like, how do we guide you from a place of oh, I didn't know I'd be this put on the spot that we tried to be very open about that when people were mm-hmm. buying tickets and things. How do we guide you through to having a positive experience? Yeah. Still.
0: Yeah, I think I remember one time like John like pointing someone out. Like, well, why did you put a tally on my name? So why do you think it's my fault? And the person just being like, oh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but like, not like uncomfortably, but just being like, oh, shit, I got to like, say my truth now. <laughs> you know?
1: If there was a, a most interesting social experiment with that show for me, it was when people would, you know, f- finish the VR experience, and then they would sit and talk shit about the couple that they had just watched right they would tear you apart they'd be like these people are not good people for each other there's no world in which they should be together
0: yeah i love when would that would in. happen they'd all be just, like most of the time they would just not side with any with anyone
1: <laughs> right yeah. but then you would come in and you'd be like oh we're engaged and most of them were too afraid to tell you yeah that you shouldn't be together most of the time they'd be like oh you're cute sure do what yeah. you right if right that right? would yeah.
0: happen most of the time yeah but then there were some times where people would be like don't do it right They're making a big mistake and they would just like give like list off all of these reasons and we'd be just like no but we're love sometimes it would end differently too we'd be like fuck you guys we're getting married and then other times it'd be like you know what you're right i don't think we should be together
1: <laughs> yeah and,
0: it would always just and that's the beauty of it really
2: yeah. anything can happen i mean just it's it's incredible i like i said i usually work in script i'm a writer and a lot of this there is writing all of these but as a as a direct as a co-director and co-creator with johnny you know it's also giving myself over to this freedom of like well anything can happen
1: mm-hmm.
2: and the beauty and teaching performers and working with performers to get them to be able to adapt yeah to any situation because yeah. sometimes just- performers were like you who are veterans of that scene and other people had never acted in an immersive project ever and it was you know having to develop a new muscle with yeah. them.
0: Yeah you guys have like and you've created good exercises and good ways to warm up and experiment with that because you know having us having us like change the actors like okay now you guys are the specs and you guys are the acting let's practice you know how this may work and so like people like me who've been in it for a while like of course I'm gonna fuck with the other um performer because you just never know what's gonna happen and mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's really, it's a really fun way of, you know, getting open and and doing that. And, um, and now I'm just rambling, but, um, yeah, I think you guys have created a good system there and it's just so mind boggling too, because you guys are so young and not so young, (laughs) (laughs) you don't look a day over 12, um, but like. You guys have done so much, and like, it feels like you've been in the scene much longer than you have been. And it's just like you guys are just powerhouses, just like getting out there. And so, like, I don't know, it's just really cool to see how hard you guys work.
1: I think we just got lucky to know the people we've met in this in this yeah. community. I mean, Leland and you. Yeah, well, I and say you. I'm lucky, so lucky to have met
2: Johnny. I think you know, I think working together, Johnny, you're one of the first people I've ever had who's like, I've been like, oh this is my creative partner. I think meeting you and working with you was for me a major brain shift in terms of how I thought about creative work and how I approached creative work. And it's so much for the better in that like, yes, it's not just that the work is have, but that you have skill sets, you know, that I do not have. And that when we work together and do stuff together, it's it really, you know, I like to joke that you're the good cop and I'm the bad cop <laughs> sometimes. Um, because I'm the guy who's just like, oh my he's god. He's never the bad cop. He's
0: never- I'm- yeah. <laughs> uh, I- <laughs> I'd beg to differ. I think I agree with Leland. Okay. Not that he's like terrible, but like I think no, just the way your personalities work. Like it's just you guys complement each other really well. And it's mm. it's a it's a good dynamic, it's a good team. <laughs>
2: <It's-> <laughs> but you know, you're
0: not the bad cop, Leland. You're just No, it's
2: well bad cop <laughs> well first of all, all cops are bad, A Cab um you can cut that <laughs> if you want um no, we're not cops uh, we should come up with something else oh yeah Good do you nice think cops listening to this podcast dana do you think I mean, pop- maybe pop- i have cops
0: in my family so and then, i don't know we'll see okay we'll see my happens.
2: point still stands if they're listening to this podcast they like ooh immersive theater podcast <laughs> me lucky um but, <laughs> but no i just think you know i, I don't think it's a bad compliment i think johnny your approach to dealing, I think, with people in high pressure situations is very much of, I don't want to say it, a tender approach.
1: Sure. It's a you, know how
2: to, you know how to approach people warmly and coax them out of their shells. And I know how to, I think, lay down the law when it needs to be, when things get out of hand, which with immersive, there's always a little bit
0: yeah. of a So I've also <laughs> noticed, like, sometimes, Leland, you'll get off track and you'll start, like, going down, like, a tangent yes. of joking. And yes. then Donnie will bring you back.
2: I am a hundred percent prone to tangents, and yeah. Johnny, you have an incredible. <laughs> so, I, so I'm also. So I guess I'm no cop. Johnny is good cop and bad cop. No, no, simply... no cops. We're just good fish and other fish. Good fish, ain't strict <laughs> fish. <laughs> this
0: red fish. <laughs> Wait, you're the red fish. He's the blue
2: fish. Right, red yeah. fish, blue fish. <laughs> <laughs> no, um... it's too much of red to.
0: <laughs> Is there any other project or any, like, memory you guys want to bring up before we close this?
2: Oh, gosh. I feel like we've we've done, we've actually crammed a lot. When I heard, that, I was like, oh, 2017, I'm like three years ago. We've done a lot of stuff in that span.
0: Yeah. And I feel really fortunate that, I mean, obviously I haven't been in all of your productions and I haven't been able to see all your productions, but I feel like I've, I guess I've kind of been there since, since the beginning, I didn't realize that. And so it, that's really cool. So I'm like honored to have been a part of quite a few of your productions.
1: You really have, you, you're <laughs> a mainstay.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm looking through, we've definitely, we've done a lot of things as, I mean, we did a bunch of these macabreys in a residency. We produced, Lorelei, I'm coming out, never that's forget right.
0: did. another
2: thing, a little outside of our normal wheelhouse. At the same work.
0: time. Yeah, that's right. Was. I knew that you guys were doing another project. I couldn't remember what it was. But yeah, you guys were on fire, and I-
2: That I, was a great, that was, I'm just literally, I was just looking through to try and figure out what else we've done. I just had looking up at these pictures of our last, of our last shows, and I found, um, I found this shot of you looking extremely contemplative with your blue <laughs> hair. Oh,
1: Oh, yeah, blue hair, Dana.
0: Yeah. Blue
2: hair, Dana. Yeah, you were blue-haired Dana for a lot of the time that we that we knew. I think you.
0: that's yeah when we first had um, that hair.
2: <laughs> but um, yeah, Lorelai, that was great. I mean, we've yeah, we like to work. We just we just it's just about the people. It's all just about the people and finding new ways to engage.
0: Yeah, and I audience. I feel like regardless of how things go because of COVID, like you guys are so in- innovative. Like you're gonna keep doing stuff, and I'm like I'm just super excited to see. You know where your paths go and i'm glad that i've gotten to work with you guys and i hope i get to sing more with you johnny yes <laughs> and like leland directed my music video leland i've worked on a few things together so I, I just like i really appreciate both of you guys you're just such like such good you're just good people to know and i really i really appreciate it
2: <laughs> thank you that really means a lot dana we're, I, we're glad to
1: I love you both.
0: Yay. Well, do you guys have anything planned for the future? Or are you kind of just, I mean, I know that Leland, you're working on your movie and you're writing. Johnny, you're doing a, a, a show choir on TikTok. Is that still happening?
1: Oh yeah. You... Once a week on Saturdays.
0: Okay. I'm going to invite Doesn't my sister to it. I think she would love that. It's so fun. Yeah. You are are you still year, taking though. people in or do you have like a cast now? I'm not really sure how, how it works. Well,
1: so our first session is five weeks. So we've done two of the five weeks. Okay. Um, that said, we're starting a new song this weekend. If you wanted to hop on this weekend, but that might be too soon. Um, in which case, next session after these five weeks are over. What are oh, you
0: doing right now? Um,
1: they don't know yet, but this won't be released yet. So we're doing uh, yeah, a mashup of Evan Hansen and Hamilton. That's oh wow. It's called Found Tonight. It's okay. um, Lin Manuel and Ben Platt recorded it for the March for Our Lives movement. So it's that arrangement. Okay. And we're also doing a hair medley. That's what we start on Saturday.
2: Nice. Here's a question: What are the worst songs from Hamilton and Dear Evan Hansen you could mash up together? What's the worst pick of one song from each that you could put together? A
1: cabinet battle
2: with the baseball glove song. With the baseball glove the community glove. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah, be... all came here for one reason—to talk about my dead son's glove.
0: Yeah, like. But you didn't do the mashup though, you because you said it was already, it was already. No, I didn't do the arrangement.
1: It's an existing. And then
0: maybe you should do this bad arrangement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm down to make some bad. I have an appreciation <laughs> just, for a series. Bad work. you you have a TikTok channel? A
2: TikTok. <laughs> Sorry, my thing just broke up for a second. My connection.
0: How dare your internet be sucky?
2: <laughs> you should you should definitely do a TikTok channel of just worst possible musical theater mashups. Once it's just called B2020. But- <laughs>
1: One TikTok idea I have is recreating musical theater songs but with like the subtext of what the character's really thinking.
0: Oh so my like, god, yeah.
1: They say. Oh, so like Oklahoma, like the like the new like the like the sexy Oklahoma. Right, but instead of saying people will say we're in love, it's like people will think we're fucking I don't know. <laughs> but whatever.
2: Oh, Johnny, you have to see the show because that's that subtext is loud and clear in that. Yeah, position. I remember Lele
0: really <laughs> and you talking about that with yeah. me, and like, oh it's like a dark Oklahoma. I mean, not that I think I mean, it is. People spell but...
2: it Oklahoma, but with the hoe spelled H E A U X, like Oklahoma. And I think that's it's it was a pretty horny revival. I ate chili. <laughs>
0: you ate chili.
2: <laughs> in permission, they serve us chili
1: and cornbread. See experience. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like Broadway's doing that more so now. I mean. Spring Awakening kind of did it, but it was more of just like having audience members sit on the stage. The hot new
2: I'm trend going. in Broadway: eating chili and cornbread at intermission. Hamilton, they feed you chili and cornbread. But uh, it's <laughs> Mean Girls. Mean Girls, they feed you chili and cornbread. Every single show feeds you home-style chili and cornbread. Hey,
0: I would. So I would be down for that. I mean, I remember. <laughs> seeing, I remember seeing um, the Green Green American Idiot. And like everyone was drinking alcohol in sippy cups, and like Mm -hmm. I don't know,
1: cornbread.
0: Yeah,
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just that's such I'm gonna be haunted by
1: that thought now of every brother.
0: Every show you're eating chili. It's how
1: they're gonna bring people back post corona. Yeah, like how they're gonna lure people into the theater. Wait till you try our cornbread. (laughs) Hot chili and cornbread at every
2: single production. They're gonna be doing like. The new angels in America. They're going to be doing Crimes of the Heart with chili and cornbread.
1: I would have no complaint. Cornbread
2: is my no, favorite No, that's the part. thing. I would eat chili and cornbread at every show. I'm not a- You fool. know what?
0: That kind of reminds me, back to, um, Afterlife Anonymous, having, like, the shitty coffee, because mm-hmm. we're, we're in an AA meeting, and so, like, I- beforehand, we're all running around trying to make everything happen, and I think- I think I took over the responsibility of making the coffee, and it was just, you know, making the shittiest coffee, but the audience drank it, and that that was kind of something that Alex would bring into his factory, like, his his character would be like, this coffee is terrible, you know, it's just, like, and he would get up and be like, anyone else want more coffee? You know, like, I, I just love, like, where that went, and... The,
2: loved, the like, real lesson of immersive good. is you must feed and give liquid to the audience, and they will eat, no matter how garbage it is, they will consume it, like, Like animals that have been in a pen unfed for weeks, no matter how loud.
0: Yeah, like you don't know what to do with yourself sometimes, so giving them like an opportunity to to get up and make a drink, like it's... It's hmm.
2: Full of off-brand Doritos crumbs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, lots of like Mexican candies. candies And then then
0: (laughs) John John Ryan would just be like pocketing it, and I would like sneak it at times, because I'm like, okay, my Penelope, I think that's that's my Mm -hmm. character and he would call me Penelope. Hello, Penelope. <laughs> why are you sad?
2: <laughs> I love it. It's, frankly, the fact that, like, those Mexican candies that, like, you don't just, I guess you do see them at some grocery stores, but the fact that those aren't just, like, as big as Snickers is a shame. So we get stuck with, like, very mediocre candies. Yeah. When there's these far superior candies that are more affordable, and they're just there, and we're not, it's a, like, I'll take, like, a bomba, I'll take, like, one of those pops over... <laughs> the, when I was in New York I was staying with the director of the film and this Colombian and they had those lollipops like um the, I think they were called like bombas in their apartment. They had a big bag of them and I'd eat them, but he would like tease me for it. He's like he's like, you know, like on the streets of like Medellin or whatever, those are you know what like streetwalkers would eat. Like that's how you'd be like walking there. People would be like sensually eating lollipops. I was just there like devouring lollipops if he was teasing me. Right, <laughs> really sweet too. Daisy, dude, I Daisy duked my shirt.
0: Um, Is there anything you guys want to promote or anything you want to get out? I mean, I guess Vote? (laughs) No. Yeah, register to vote.
2: Yeah, I mean (laughs) though more it's more important to like Cause civic unrest, but vote
1: as well. Yeah, cause civic unrest, vote, take care of yourself Mm -hmm. Take care of yourself. Yes. Keep doing things you enjoy um, people that might listen to this might also be other theater makers, and I encourage you to keep, you know, keep doing things. Yeah. Um, and connect. Yeah, it doesn't have to be productive. People. Huh?
2: It doesn't even have to be, like, a productive thing. Like, you can, like, not being productive is a form of productivity. Like, yeah. reading Why a book you like, There was,
0: there was one time, and I texted you, and I, because I was like, depressed or something I was like I can't do anything today or whatever or no I was busy and like I was felt motivated okay yeah sometimes I'll text you and I'll be like I can't do anything and then other times I'm like I'm like so pumped I'm getting so much done and then you were like taking even taking a break is is productive and yep. I felt like that really stuck with me I was like you're right like I am even doing something when I'm resting yep so, I, appreciate I think that. for a lot of
2: theater people who are used to being in constant activity a hard part of quarantine has been yeah. not just the existential ex- existential the existential threat of oh my god will theater ever return in a form i recognize but mm-hmm. also just like yeah having a lot of time on your hands that you used to fill with the thing you loved. i mean a year ago we were doing our show yeah,
1: yeah. call yeah, your no friends day. call your mom yeah yeah sing every day that's what i recommend
2: watch movies it's okay to like have it be 3 p.m. and be like ugh yeah. i'm tired and be like i'll just watch I'll just like find a classic movie I've never seen and watch yeah. that, like that. Yeah,
0: honestly, I've been productive. watching a lot of I've been watching a lot of cartoons, and it's because yeah. it's getting me in the mindset of developing my twirly cartoon. And so it's like honestly, anything you do is productive towards creating. You know, you just have to yeah. you know approach it differently. So like, Yeah, like I I don't I sometimes I'd be hard on myself like oh my god I've like binged through so so much right now but. At the same time, like I'm, I'm observing, I'm learning. It's okay. You know, give yourself a break.
1: If you're a person, a, a creator, and you are watching a bunch of TV or movies, you're studying. That's yep. all you're doing. You're studying. <laughs> that's the great thing about this job, job,
2: <laughs> um, about this profession, Lifestyle. about this path of life. Is <laughs> that yeah, like absorbing art. I mean, for me, like art gives life meaning in many ways, and just the process of enjoying art is also like feeding back to that cycle. So yeah put on Jimbo at three in the afternoon and like watch it and be like oh this movie's awesome yep. like that was great and it's like oh it's only like 5 p.m like cool I can watch another movie like, I have another great.
0: movie to watch now
2: <laughs> like this is good for me I'm thinking better now
0: yeah I really really appreciate you guys and I'm so happy I was able to get you guys on this and yeah and it's good to see you guys. <laughs>
1: really good to see you, both of you. Great to see both of you, yeah. yeah when's
0: the last time you guys were together? It was
1: the D&D thing.
0: Okay. Well, well we didn't even yeah, talk about D&D. On Zoom,
1: though, yeah. yeah.
2: Next time we're on, we'll talk about Dungeons and & Dragons and how I Yeah, I, think I know,
0: we didn't even get to get, to get into that, it's, but it's I definitely— It's the best
2: form of immersive. Immersive theater, unfortunately, will probably never be as good as Dungeons & Dragons, because <laughs> in a normal immersive theater, you can't kick an enchanted suit of armor down a stairwell. Sure, I know. mean,
0: we just you. haven't created the opportunity to do it yet.
1: We don't have the science. <laughs> we don't have the science.
0: But we will. If soon. we can look at people's
1: memories, we can kick a suit down a stairwell
0: easily. We can't
2: cause a giant robot to have an existential crisis like um, yes. like Untrue. they
1: did in our game. I saw a new like giant robot from some Asian country today. <laughs> and oh, so you. So what we should do is go. Partner Talk with them. You think it's yeah. life here? Giant. It's at the top of like a bunch of new sites right now. I just typed in giant robot, and it's all over. Oh
2: my god. Do you think so? You want us to go and bully it into like we did in our Dungeons and Dragons game? Go bully the giant robot and oh, oh my god!
0: Him.
1: <laughs> or we convince him to act in our show.
0: Do you want you a 60 literally, literally ball? last night? You want a twenty-four ton robot in your show?
1: Could you imagine Transformers, <laughs> like, but immersive, <laughs> or Power Rangers?
0: Transformers the musical, immersive. <laughs> yeah. no Power sense. Rangers immersive. That In my be- Dungeons
2: and Dragons game last night, we did confront another giant robot, a 20-foot robot, and my character did persuade it to learn to sing and play the viol, and now it's like a gifted musician and has found like joy where it didn't know it could experience it before through playing the viol. Michael love-
0: Bay,
1: are you listening?
2: Michael Bay?
0: Yeah, <laughs> as Johnny like gives like the eyes, like,
2: <laughs> batting your eyes on the podcast. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a physical performance.
0: I love you guys so much, and I really appreciate you guys. And honestly, like you guys have come to mul- many of my sh- my twirly shows and stuff, and so I really appreciate you guys in a lot of aspects. And um, you're always like the best audience members too. I, I always know that I can pay extra attention to you guys. I think my greatest memories are actually the two, the separate, you, cause you guys didn't come at the same time to Best Night Ever, the limo show. Yeah. And you guys, I was so excited to have you guys in the audience and in my limo as well cause there were two different limos. And so, I, um, yeah, I always just, a, I always am excited whenever you are, you're in the audience because you guys, you guys know how to have a, have a good time.
1: I didn't even know you were in that show until you popped yeah. yeah, that car. Yeah, it surprise.
0: was a secret. They didn't. We didn't want people to find out.
1: <laughs> it was. It was a great surprise. Because they knew your
2: fan base would have bought out every seat and been the whole show until then, going, "Where is the clown? Where yeah. is the clown? Where?" Is, and like slapping down every other opportunity to interact.
0: Yeah, it was. It was really fun. Because <laughs> I would like promote that I was in the show, but I don't think people realized it was going to be twirly in the show.
2: Right. No, it was and- so
1: fun.
0: Yeah, and that was – Terrence and Katie put that show on. It was phenomenal. And that was another Fringe show as well. Like, fr- immersive theaters well, – was a fringe, show. Really big and fringe Yeah, and that was the same time as my Twirly Fringe show as well. So it was like, oh, I get to, like,
2: cross-pollinate
0: uh, here. Yeah, cross-promote. And- that
2: was a year ago, too. Wow. Yeah.
0: I think it feels so weird, too, because, I mean, I know that Fringe is doing a lot of online stuff right now, but, like, not being able to – Do French this year was kind of weird. (laughs) Uh uh We'll see how things go. But thank you guys so much. um, I'm going to stop recording now. Thanks for doing this, Dana. Thank you.